Welcome to the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast, making art work. We highlight how entrepreneurs align their artistry, passion, and vision to create and pursue opportunities to capture value in the arts. The views expressed by guests on the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast are solely their own and do not necessarily represent the views of the podcast or its hosts. The appearance of a guest on the podcast, the venture they represent, or reference to any product or service does not imply an endorsement or recommendation by the podcast or its hosts. The content provided is for entertainment and informational purposes only and does not constitute business advice. Here are your hosts, Andy Heiss and Nick Petrella. Hello, everyone. My name is Andy Heiss. And I'm Nick Petrella. Today on the podcast is writer, director, producer, editor, and actor Dana White. Dana has won numerous awards for her films, many of which have premiered at festivals around the world. You can read more about Dana at the link in the show notes. Dana, thanks for being with us today. Hi, thank you. It's great to be here. This is part two of our interview with Dana White. As we've kind of talked about, you've performed many different roles in a variety of formats from feature films, short films, narratives, documentaries, TV even. Um, Is it common for someone to work in so many varied roles and formats, or is that something that you just you know, thought you would enjoy doing. So you pursued those different opportunities. Yeah, it's super common. I mean, I think that everybody has the place that they like to focus on. I I would say, I would say if you asked anybody, they would tell you, this is what I love. This is what I love. But you need to put food on the table, right? (laughs) And so uh, people dabble in all kinds of parts. I consider myself an indie filmmaker primarily, you know, um, and I love, as I've said, I love creating my own projects and having creative control over them. Um, And so whether it's feature films or short films, you know, I just, I love to make movies. But I've certainly made money in lots of other areas of the industry in order to support my craft, you know, um, and you have to, like, it's just, you, you, you just have to. Um, so it's really, and be able to do, I mean, I've edited everything from poker shows to, and you know, big time NBC shows to trailers, to commercials, to you name it. I've probably done it, (laughs) you know? Um, and my husband too, you know, my husband, he runs around shooting amazing race to films, to, you know, to shows on Nat Geo, to, Alaska, you know, we just, you know, you do everything pretty much. So do you like working more in film rather than TV? Well, you know, I think it's interesting because I think the two, and certainly in narrative form, um, and even in documentary form, actually, the two have merged so much as of late. Um, You know, feature films aren't getting made as much, unfortunately. Um, And television is kind of taking over. And and especially after the pandemic, right? Everybody needs to stay home and watch as much as they possibly could. Um, But with the advent of Netflix, Hulu, and all of these media outlets, these sort of um, television shows, also these... um, uh, what do you call it? The, um, the sh- like limited series, which we love, you know, I love watching that kind of stuff. Um, all of that stuff is taking yeah. front stage right now. And, and then the good news is, um, that the, they've gotten more sophisticated in terms of production value. So someone like me, who's a real sort of film purist, I don't mind it so much when I see a great show that has great production value, you know, and that people are willing to take some risks and chances with. Um, so I think that, 
TV can do a lot that it wasn't able to do years ago. And some of the best writers and directors are actually working in television right now. And so you can feel that. Like when you watch the shows, you're like, whoa, this has a really interesting point of view and an interesting vision. And, you know, it's shot in a really interesting way. It's not, you know, sort of just boring. It's really, there's really taking some risks. You know, for me, it's really about having the best resources to tell the stories I want to tell. Um, And so I'm always going to make movies. I'm always going to love film. But I also love the idea of making limited series. I mean, I have pilots that are out there that are circulating. I have things like Chris and I are working on one right now that we really want to try to to sell and work on. So mm-hmm. I think it's a great way to tell stories. It's just you have to make sure you find the right outlet for the right story, and that mm-hmm. has to be the perfect fit. I have a quick follow-up question for you. How has Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, and the others, how has that impacted your industry? Oh gosh. Um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's open doors and it's closed doors, right? You know, I think it, that's kind of what, what, what anything that's, that is growing does, right? Um, I think that it is allowed, um, it has created a lot more work for people, which is fantastic. The amount of, in fact, a friend of ours has just finished, just finished a Netflix show here in Cleveland, you know, like, um, that was going on for like 90 days. Like all the people on Turning Blue were on it, you know, working on the show. So, you know, it, it's opening up avenues, even in different smaller cities like a Cleveland or some of these other cities, um, which is great, right? Because it, it starts to, you, you don't, you don't feel like different cities have a monopoly, um, and so it, it allows for work for all people are able to kind of work more in the industry um, and have lives in other parts of the country, which I think is really amazing um, and opens opportunities for people like Chris and I, who are L.A. filmmakers that now live in Cleveland and are kind of bi-coastal. But we can make our movies here. Um, and that's amazing. Like and I didn't think that was possible. And we have an A-level crew um, that are working on our films. So those kinds of things are opening up because of the content that's available. And I'm sure that I, I can't say this is 100% true, but I would imagine that Netflix and Hulu um, have something to do with that, right? Have something to do with kind of making films around the country. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, the thing that, that's been hard on film is the fact that that people aren't yeah. going to the theater as much as they used to. Um, and so feature film is, is going through some kind of change and potentially a renaissance. Um, my friends think it's a terrible thing. I actually think maybe I tend to be the eternal optimist and I kind of think, well, maybe it's not a terrible thing. Maybe feature film's going to go more the route of art films, which is what we make anyway. So that makes me happy, you know. Um, and that's, you know, yeah, novels, exactly. people unfortunately don't read a lot. So, you know, novels are becoming sort of this art form that it's like, oh my gosh, the intellectuals read the books yeah. now, you know, um, yeah. which is not a good thing for society yeah. ultimately. But but it, I think that film has a way of of being, it, it's never going to go away, that much I know. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. I think, I think it's too early to know. Um, but I know that I will fight for it and I will continue to make them. Um, and if they end up in art houses around the country, I'll be thrilled. Like that's, that makes yeah. me happy. <laughs> and to your point, it is, it's, it's still evolving. Yeah. Right. What's your favorite part of the filmmaking process? And, uh, might you have a favorite story to illustrate that? Oh gosh. Well, I will tell you what's my least favorite part first. Okay. 
I was actually, when I wrote this question, I was actually hoping you would do that. Yeah, let's start there because I can tell you that for sure. Um, My least favorite part of the filmmaking process is in the pre-production. I mean, I hate it and I'm actually in it right now with my, my, and so I can speak to it very, very clearly, you know, because it's, it's the, in some ways it's the least creative part, right? Like it's all the paperwork, it's all the wrangling, it's all the trying to get everybody together. It's so much stress. Like, it's like you always lose 10 pounds. You always, you know, gain 10, you know, it's like you lose 10 years. Like you just like, it's just inevitably my husband and I can eat whatever we want because we can't put on a pound because we're just so stressed. You know, it's just, it's just that really place where you're just like, oh my gosh, like you wake up. In fact, this morning we woke up and he said, it's happening. Like, I feel it. Like I was like, I know it's happening to me too. You just feel like you've had 10 cups of coffee when you wake up, you're so freaked out. Mm. So I hate that part. Um, but I love all the rest. Um, and you know, I love shooting the film. Like that's always exciting, especially when you work the way Chris and I do, where you, you're really organized, but then you leave room for, for the magic, the magic to happen. And so things come that, that you just didn't expect. Um, and that's really exciting. Um, you know, I love the editing process, being an editor myself. Obviously, that's a really exciting part for me because I feel like it's writing with pictures, you know, and um, usually I'm the one who does the writing. Um, so, like, it's really fun that this thing has been living in my head for a really long time and now it's in front of me on, on the screen. I'm like, oh, wow, okay, now what do we do with this, you know? Um, so that's a really exciting part for me. Um, and then I think that the film starts to really come to life in the editing room, you know? Um, and then you have your music design and your sound design. And that, I think, Chris and I have utterly fallen in love with those processes because mm-hmm. it's like you know that's the part where you really hire other people to do for you and you're collaborating with them and you're giving in there you're giving them your vision and they're kind of talking back to you and you're sort of having this amazing conversation with them and I feel like that's the moment where it's the first time I really hear my film and it's like it's when you can hear your film it's like you're re, you're actually reunited with your vision of your film and you fall in love all over again and that's this sort of blissful honeymoon moment where you're just like oh my gosh it is the film I want it to be, you know, or it's not. And I need to make some adjustments and figure out how to fix it, you know. But it's like when you hear that film for the first time, I remember every time we have a movie and we play it in a big theater as we're working on our sound design, it's just like, oh, there it is. Like I've been working on this for months and I haven't heard it. And there it is. Like they just suddenly made it come to life. And it's just an emotional moment, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Well, let us know if you need. Andy plays bass. I play drums. If you ever need some, awesome. Bass drums, just give oh, that's, a call. that's great. That's good to know. <laughs> as, you, as you were talking earlier, I kind of chuckled when you said you were bi-coastal. So when you're talking with producers, do they know that that one of the coasts is Lake Erie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we don't have to say that necessarily. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in fact, you know, it's so funny because like. So many, like like I said, there's been like three huge shows in Cleveland in the last yeah. couple months, and um, and it's exciting to me. Like I I I'm just you know we know all the people here, we know all the the Cleveland Film mm-hmm. Commission people, we know Mike Went who runs the uh, you know who does all the locations there, and he's amazing. And um, so I think this is a really exciting place to shoot a movie. Like it it's there's it it has a lot of interesting, unique little pockets. Um, mm-hmm. It it can look like I I mean, it can't look like the West Coast, like California or the desert, but it can look like a lot of other things. And yeah. so, you know, it actually has an enormous 
diverse landscape that, you know, as a producer, that's what you look for. You know, you want to shoot your movie. You don't, you want to make as few, um, you know, company moves as you have to. Um, and so a place like Ohio is, is actually, is actually turning out to be a really interesting place to make a movie. And you talked about like the influence of you know the streaming platforms on that may be one reason why some of this is possible in Cleveland. Do you think do you think the pandemic had any effect on that as well? On on what particularly? Uh, just the, the idea that movies and films and TV shows are being made in Cleveland, for example, rather than just only in New York or L.A. Hmm, that's an interesting um, question. I'm I'm thinking the reason I and this is this was sort of the background to my question or to my. Um, follow-up is you know i know there's a lot of i i know of several people who have moved from new york who were in you know broadway acting that sort of thing and they moved to smaller cities because you know it's more affordable uh pursuing some different options and sort of the the and and we see that sort of trend happening all over the united states people moving out of these densely populated very expensive places to live and moving back to so my sort of the hypothesis is well maybe there's additional that sort of creativity that industry has sort of you know spread uh throughout the united states and maybe there's going to be smaller pockets of these things bubbling up all over the u.s i think so i mean i think that you know one of the things i think the pandemic did for all of us is made us well i mean if you're an intelligent thoughtful person you couldn't hope but you know actually think that you had to reevaluate some things, right? Like it made all of us kind of say, oh, wow, like life can change really quickly. And what am I doing? You know, what am I doing with my life? And what do I want to be doing with my life and and all of that? And so I think that that it definitely has had an impact on a lot of people I know um, in the industry of feeling like, do I want to be in a, a tight city? Do I want to be on top of people? You know, do I want to have a little more space in my life to be able to process some things? So I think so. I mean, I, I, I don't know if it's going to last, but I think it affected people. And I also think that what's happening in the big cities is, um, you know, I do think that there, there are certain people, um, my husband and I are these kinds of people that we can make movies anywhere. Really, as long as we have a good crew, and if we have enough money, we can bring them in, (laughs) you know? So we can really make movies anywhere. Um, But so a lot of people are kind of moving from these big cities. They've spent, I mean, we were there for, we were in LA for 20 years. So, you know, we, we loved it. I love it. I miss it every day, but it's an expensive place to live, you know? And so it makes it very difficult to do your art. You know, it makes it very difficult because you're having to do all of these other jobs, you know, that you really don't want to be doing. They take up a lot of your creative energy for the things you really want to do. So a lot of the artists I know are leaving the big cities, are moving to smaller cities where it's more affordable, and they can actually still do what they want to do and actually do it more. Um, So that is happening for sure. I think that's key, too. They they do because they can. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it because the industry in in I mean not even just the industry the art form itself has more resources in terms of the technology and so technology right. probably has influenced it more than anything. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So you had studied screenwriting for your MFA, so you obviously had a grasp on content. That said, what surprised you when you started working professionally that you wish you had learned? Hmm. That's 
That's a great question. You know, funnily enough, I don't think I was really surprised by anything um, because I learned by doing. So I was just constantly learning and constantly trying to figure things out. Um, and so, you know, filmmaking is really, uh, I mean, I think I said this a little bit before, but filmmaking is not something you can learn from a book. You know, ultimately you have to do it. And I tell my students that. I say, you know, university is an amazing place for them to be able to continue to make projects and to be get feedback and be mentored by people. But you got to go out and do it. Like, you can't just sit in the classroom. You're not going to learn by doing that. And, you know, we don't learn if we don't fail a lot, you know. And my husband and I are always kind of spending a lot of time, maybe too much time, but a lot of time Monday morning quarterbacking our work, you know, and, and not because that we, we want to be sort of wallowing in our mistakes, you know, but because we really want to learn from them and understand, you know, how do we get better what we do? Um, and the process has to be more important than the ultimate product. And I think that's the thing that maybe I learned, I've learned the most along the way. You know, if, if the actual product is more important to you than the process, then you get stale really easily, you know, and, and I refuse to get stale. So, you know, every time we start like a new project, I feel like I don't know anything about making a movie. Like I always feel, and that's part of the stress. I always feel like we're starting from scratch and it's actually a really exciting place to start from, but a terrifying place to start from. And of course it's not true because, you know, we have years behind us of experience kind of guiding us, but I think it's really important to come into every new project with sort of an open mind and an open heart and you willing to push yourself as hard as you can into that scary place. Um, and even if you're not sure if you can achieve it, you know, sometimes you're like, I don't know. Like, I'm going to give it a shot. I don't know if it's going to work this time. I don't know if this, this, maybe we're too bold. Maybe it's too crazy into my idea, but we're going to try. And so I think that's, that's what I tell my students. And I think that that's really, maybe that's what I've learned so much along the way. Yeah. Can you tell us about Female Filmmakers Initiative, um, when and why you started it and uh, what, what it does? Oh my gosh, this is my favorite. This is my favorite subject. <laughs> yes, no, this this is my uh, this is my baby. This is like this means so much to me. Um, you know, I I knew before I came to Kent State that I wanted to do this. Um, and in my interview with Dean Reynolds, uh, when they were brought me here from LA to interview me for the job, I told her if I was hired, that this was something that mattered to me a great deal. And she, of course, was unbelievably supportive of the idea, and, and she has been unbelievable for FFI every stage of the game, you know, for me, and, and I so deeply appreciate her. Um, but I, I wanted to create a, a, a place for young female filmmakers to have a space and a supportive community where they felt empowered to tell the stories that they want to tell. Because my industry is historically male-dominant. You know, I mean, to a point where it's it's gross, you know, I mean, it's just the, the women are just have not had enough of a voice in this particular industry. It's changing, um, but it's not changing fast enough. And, you know, so for me, I felt, you know, I know how hard it is to be a woman in the film and TV world. I know that, you know, I have sat in many meetings where I was the only woman, you know, um, and sometimes I wasn't listened to. Sometimes I was. Um, but and like I said, luckily, it's changing, but it starts with us and it starts with women who are determined to have their voices heard. And so once I came to Kent State, you know, I saw what a dynamic group of young women we had here in DMP, digital media productions and in the school 
school, and um, MDJ school. And so it was really clear to me that we needed a film, female filmmakers initiative for, for these women to have a place to launch themselves as filmmakers and storytellers. Um, and so that was like, it was just an amazing time for me to sort of say, okay, and I gave myself a few months to kind of get acclimated to academia because it's new to me and then I reached out to sort of these young women who I, I just knew were amazing and I said hey this is all I want to do what do you think and they were like let's do it and I was like all right let's do it so um you know we're growing and we're getting stronger every day and it's really exhilarating they're winning awards they're going to film festivals with their work it's it's just been and, and they're just fantastic and you know I think that injustice inspires action you know, and I think that women in many fields out there feel marginalized. And my industry is notoriously guilty of a lack of diversity across the board. And women are a huge part of that. And there's a lack of films with female protagonists, the lack of opportunities for female directors, cinematographers, writers, editors. I mean, the list goes on. Um, and it's just not been an even playing field, uh, but it needs to be. And, you know, and of course, the plight of women around the world is not a good one, right? Women and children are suffering all over the world. And much of that, probably most of that, is a result of the silencing of women. Um, and female artists, whether you're filmmakers or musicians or painters or novelists or poets, you know, have the power of their voice. That's what we have. That's all we have is we have our voices. Um, and I think it's that expression that can change the world. And, you know, we can open up channels of conversation and discussion that unite us and kind of give us a hope for a better future for women around the world. And so my, my goal was to create a female culture at, at Kent State. And okay. FFI was the beginning of this. Um, and I wanted a place where women could come together and support each other and give an opportunity for their craft and learn to make films um, and support yeah. each other. That, that was actually, there was an article, and I don't remember where I, I read it. Some, you know, might have been a, some digital media that was sent out to everybody. And I read about that, and that's how we actually connected, mm. just kind of reached out. Yeah, they're amazing. They're on fire right now. I mean, it's just a really exciting time for FFI. So we've come to the end of the podcast, and we always ask our interviewees this, the same three questions. Okay. <laughs> and our first question is, what advice would you give to others wanting to become an arts entrepreneur in your art form? Huh, okay. So, you know, I think that there's a lot of advice to give, right? And it's so, it's so uniquely personal to each person. Um, I was told years ago by a very, very important mentor of mine um, that confidence is overrated. And it was honestly the greatest piece of advice I'd ever heard. Um, I think I was 24 at the time, 23 at the time. And because I think that as a young person, you have this idea that you have to be full of confidence to succeed. And it's a complete misnomer in my opinion. And I think confidence comes and goes you know, depending on what you're working on and where you're at in your life. And you just can't depend on it. Um, and it's nice to have, but it shouldn't be a deal breaker to your success. Life is really about courage. And my feeling is, you know, don't wait until you think you're ready. Just do it. Just be courageous and forge ahead with your dreams. And I've been told so many times on so many occasions that it wasn't possible for me to do the things that I wanted to do. But I did them anyway. And I learned how to do them better and better. And I think the more you do what you want to do, the more you begin to believe in yourself. And when people tell me that I can't do something now, it usually fires me up. <laughs> I'm just like, 
really? Okay, watch me. And it makes me better at what I do. Um, and I think ultimately you only have yourself. So you have to be the one with your own purpose and your own dreams. And you always have to protect that part of yourself and not let anyone get in your way. Um, and I think if you can, and look, that's a lifelong thing, right? Like you can't just learn that and be like, okay, I got that. I'm moving on. You know, I'm 22 and I can do it. It's like, you know, it's just, we all struggle with it. And I think knowing that and knowing that that's going to be your lifelong thing, you just kind of take it on, you know, and then you just find a way to follow your dreams. What can we do to ensure the arts are more accessible and reaching the widest possible audience? Mm. That's a good question. Um, I can't answer that question. Um, but what I think I can say is that I think the best thing we can do and the best thing that all of us can do is be the best artist that we can be um, and make the best art that you know how to make. Um, I think that's all we really can do. You know, understanding who your audience is and understanding who you want to you who you want your work to speak to. I think those are very very important things to understand as well, um, so that you have an idea of where to position your work. But nothing, and absolutely nothing, is more important than being the best artist you can be. You know, I get really emotional when I say this, so forgive me if my voice cracks. But the world needs us. And especially now. And I think the world needs diverse voices to bring people together and to give hope and to inspire the world to be better. And because the world needs to be better. Um, we're not doing it right. We're, we're doing it terrible right now. And I think art does that better than anything. It teaches us. It teaches us empathy. It teaches us love. It teaches us understanding. Um, it gives us an insight into people that we never would otherwise know. And um, so we got to make the best art we can. And the third question you've already answered in, in your first uh, answer to the first one, but I'll, I'll read it just for someone who may be listening to the podcast for the first time. And that question is, what's the best artistic or entrepreneurial advice anyone has ever given you? Life is about courage. Yep. It's not about confidence. Yeah. You know, we, you, have to, you have to know that you're, you're, you're going to have to do it scared. Yeah. Just yeah. do it scared. <laughs> Dana, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Um, they're lucky to have you at Kent, and I, your students are fortunate to be able to, to work with you. Oh, thank you for saying that. That yeah. means a great deal to me. Thank you. Yeah, And hopefully we can work together sometime. I would love it. Love it. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Visit artsentrepreneurshippodcast.com to learn more about our guest and how you can help support artists, the arts, and this podcast. Thank you.